MMA in the NBA. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, with you on a Friday afternoon for the James Harden monologue. That's right. That's right. We're going to break it down. That right there was, uh, let's see, Call Me Human by Skip Marley in French Montana. It was on the soundtrack for The Godfather of Harlem, uh, which was uh, a dope. Uh, I think that was the guy that was. Uh, profiled on netflix the same guy which is pretty cool it looks like uh uh, i'm trying to see who the lead actor is there but anyway godfather of harlem so check it out but we've got things to get to people we've got things to do so uh we're going to talk a little bit about the trade the james harden trade what might happen relative to um uh, James, KD, and Kyrie, and I'm going to give you my thoughts. I mean, last night, you know, we had, um, last night we had, uh, um, changing the, changing the loop a little bit, but I think that's a little bit too, cool. I think I'm going to go back to the downbeat loop. Okay. Change the music underneath. Um, last night we had Schwann Humes and I wanted to, him to be heard and ask him questions. We had a limited amount of time and therefore I didn't want to, uh, suck up all the oxygen giving my thoughts so here are my thoughts in a nutshell on what i think is going to happen sometimes i'm very right and sometimes i'm just terribly wrong and a couple of examples of that would be like i say last year um i was absolutely incredulous when rob Linka, a brand new gm who had never uh, been uh, an NBA uh, other than being Kobe's manager. I mean, he had never been an NBA uh, front office person, took over the Lakers GM job and promptly traded all the young talent and a whole bunch of draft picks to New Orleans for a guy in Anthony Davis that I said, well, he'll come next year as a free agent anyway, and you'll get him for nothing. Um, and what's the difference? Well, they traded away everybody. I was wrong. Rob Palenka was right. LeBron was right about that roster. And they brought in all these guys. And all of a sudden, along with, led by KD and LeBron, excuse me, AD and LeBron, and a bunch of guys that kind of other teams didn't want, um, you know, Dwight Howard, Rondo, et cetera, et cetera, they ended up winning a championship. So I can sometimes be wildly wrong, but sometimes I'm, I'm pretty right. And... In this case here, I want to talk about um, James Harden. So let's start off with James. Uh, James obviously um, came in in uh, the 2009-2010 season, was the sixth man with OKC, average 9.9. Um, really great all-around player. And then you see he goes up until um, goes up until 2012, and they decide to trade him. After I think they had that finals run against Miami and didn't quite get over the hump. I mean, those guys were just 
uh, Russell Westbrook and KD and James. James wasn't even a starter, as we said. I believe he was sixth man of the year. Just a little bit too inexperienced to get over uh, D. Wade, LeBron, and uh, Bosch and the rest of the guys. So he became a prolific player, scorer. And I'm going to tell you straight out, the you know, like if you listen to like somebody that I love and respect like Bob Ryan, he can't stand watching James play. Um, I'll disagree with that. I love watching James Harden play. Um, I don't care for necessarily his style of basketball. I don't like when somebody dribbles too much and pounds the ball too much and plays ISO. I think of basketball as this beautiful game where people work together and share the ball. And by sharing the ball, you achieve success. And so therefore, James' style really doesn't suit me. Um, as much as uh, it may suit other fans and definitely obviously does not suit Bob Ryan. But the guy is amazing. He, I mean, when he takes it, you know, during the regular season in particular and usually early in the playoffs and early in games, this guy is going to take the ball and, and if he drives, people know he's going to his left. They know that every time he fakes right, he's going to end up going left, and they still can't stop it, even when they know what he's going to do. He could tell you, I'm going to do the step-back jumper, and you still can't stop it. You're either going to foul him or he's going to hit the shot. So he really, really is an incredible player um, and and an artist, and we'll get to that when we talk about Kyrie. And James really is that. But here's what I'm here to say about James. And I'm going to, I promise you, I'm going to try not to <laughs> over-reference LeBron James as I usually am guilty of doing. You, A team is really based around people coming together. At its essence, at its core, if I say the word team, and we're talking about a basketball team, an MMA team, a wrestling team, you know, uh, a football team, a sales team at work. Well, maybe not a sales team because sales teams tend to be uber competitive, but any sort of a maintenance team like that fixes airplanes. I'm going to, you know, use my Air Force analogy, a special forces team, um, any kind of a team. You don't have to like everybody or love everybody in that team but you all have to be working together towards a common goal. So everybody here saying, uh, okay, we already know that, DJ. Tell us something we don't know. Well, people can know that, but they don't internalize that. If I were to ask James Harden that same question today, if I were to say, what does it take to make a team? What, is, what does it take to make a great team? What, is that, what are the elements that, that, that are required to form a great team. He would probably espouse the, the sim, same things or something synonymous with what I just said. However, then there's actually doing it in practice. And there are things where uh, they said uh, um, when the Houston Rockets were on the road, if James wanted to stay uh, in a city an extra day instead of move on where the rest of the team wanted to move on or go home, he would uh, say, yeah, I, I, I want us to stay overnight. I like this city. I like the shopping. I want to go buy some stuff. Um, he would, when it came down to film sessions, he would say they would be sitting there waiting for James to start a film session. He would be late. 
and and Russ or somebody would say, hey, come on, let's just, you know, we'll watch the film and then James can catch up when he gets here. And he'd say no because he's going to get here and he's going to make a start over again. So first of all, if I were coaching, I, I don't know that I would last very long because I love and respect these players. They are freaks among us. I mean, I guess you could say that about a lot of great, great athletes, but the size of these men and the way that they're able to move and the things that they can do with the basketball is just incredible and they deserve uh, admiration and respect. However, as a team leader, which is kind of what a coach is beyond the player team leader, the coach manager of the team, if you will, I would not allow him to do that. And I would say that, no, he could stay after and watch what he missed if he was late and then I'd find him. Uh, but Mike D'Antoni chose not to do that, and we'll get to Mike D'Antoni a little bit later. Um, so I disagree with uh, with the way what he thought was a leadership style that would lead to success in Houston. And if you look at his numbers, amazing numbers. You know, I'm looking at 2012-2013. Uh, he started off 25-9, 5.8 assists. Uh, 4.7, 4.9 rebounds a game. Um, the guy really was, and then you know the the next year he had very similar number, 25.4, whatever. Uh, more assists, uh, more rebounds, and then again the next year he was even more prolific, 29 points a game, 7.5 assists a game, 6.1 uh, rebounds a game. So the guy is absolutely incredible. He led the league in assists in 2016-2017 with 11.2 assists a game. I mean, the guy's amazing. It said he is all-timer. Let's see, he's 50-point triple-doubles. I mean, um, the guy's the guy's amazing. I mean, that that that's all I can that's all I could say. There's only five players ever to have a 50-point triple-double according to uh, NBA Reference. So, um, however, so. When you combine that with Mike D'Antoni and his system, and this is what I want to say about Mike D'Antoni. When I'm listening to basketball games when he was let go or listening to commentators when he was let go and say, oh, I think he'll be picked up right away. He could get picked up by uh, by Philadelphia, etc." I'm like, why would you pick this guy up? Like if I'm any team, why would I want Mike D'Antoni to be my head coach? And if you're an analyst, tell me why you, I would want him to be my head coach. Because unless I'm in a like complete rebuild, his system does not work. When he was hired in New York, I almost lost my mind. I'm like, you can hire this guy, but the day that they hired Mike D'Antoni, I knew they wouldn't win a championship. In fact, they weren't even good under Mike D'Antoni. Now, you can blame that on several reasons, but I'm here to tell you, this guy has had a lot of great players and he was not able to win. I don't believe in the th- in the chucking up three pointers uh, every uh, every time down the floor or shooting within so many seconds. I think that leads to bad shot uh, bad shots, and I think it leads to losing games. And guess what? I've been proven right. <laughs> Mike D'Antoni proved it. And and I'll tell you what the games even when the Lakers did poorly last year, be it against Miami or other teams, is when they were chucking three pointers and shooting a low percentage of them. Those are the games that they lost. Go look at, go look at their uh, you know thirty nine twenty nine percent or thirty six percent from three 
uh, in those games that they lost. Uh, you know, and even one of them, they were embarrassed when they came out with the Kobe uniforms against Miami. So I don't believe in that uh, system. I think that particularly... Now, does that mean that if you shoot more twos, shoot less threes, more twos, make more twos, and that you're going to face teams in a playoff... Uh, or excuse me, in the regular season, they're going to shoot a bunch of threes and they're going to knock you out. Yes, and Golden State will beat you in games like that. Yes, but is every player in the league Steph Curry? No, they're not. Um, Can people have Steph Curry-like games? Sort of. But what I'm saying to you is what happens in the playoffs and the finals is what counts. All you have to do is get in the playoffs during the regular season. But if you go and you start chucking up threes in a big game, um, I don't. I'll tell you right now, the team that shoots a higher percentage of twos over the threes, that's the team that's going to win. I don't care what you want to tell me about the math, and this is what I mean by that. We are all characters of emotion. We feel when I miss a shot or my teammate misses a shot, I feel something. When I go down the other end and my missed shot turns into an easy 12-footer by like a Kawhi Leonard for the other team, I feel that. I run down court again. I chuck up another three. I miss. They take it down. They work the ball. They have a cutter. They get an easy two. I'm feeling it. So now the emotion in the game is going further and further down. The way that you beat teams in the playoffs is to demoralize them. They chuck up threes and miss. You hit twos, you win. I'm here to tell you, that is what wins basketball games, particularly in high-pressure situations and big games. That's how. That's why if you put Sha- a young Shaq in uniform today, he would destroy the league because nobody could stop him inside. All he has to do is hit a modicum of free throws, and he's going to destroy your team. You could shoot all the threes you want. He'll foul out your entire front line. Because nobody could stop him. You put like a JaVale McGee against him. You put most of the guys in the NBA today against Shaq. He's going to own them. So, or a Hakeem, you know, if for that matter. Or Kevin McHale, you know, or those inside scores. Now, that's not how basketball's played. And I'm not trying to say that we need to, re, to, um, to regress back to the 1980s. But what I am saying is that Mike D'Antoni's system of chucking up threes does not work. It didn't work in Phoenix. It didn't work in Houston. It didn't work in New York. And it won't work if that's what they would try to do in New Jersey. And I'm not saying that they are. But it's not winning basketball. And that is contributing factor towards what they were doing in Houston. Was first of all, so people are just freaking out about how amazing Daryl Morey is. And I realize he's friends with Bill Simmons and all that. And he seems really smart to me. However, his teams didn't win. (laughs) I mean, so he put together those teams. He hired the coach, and that wasn't successful. And so he deserved to be fired. So I I don't think, I I just don't believe in that brand of basketball. However, let's come back to James real quick. James Harden, you know, when we talk about what it is of bringing guys together. So let's say the system is imperfect. He played into the system. I mean, he could have told Mike D'Antoni, hey, I'm shooting too much. I need to get guys in. It's not a matter of how many assists 
that he that he averages. It's about a game flow and getting guys involved and knowing when to shoot and when to feed somebody that's been running the floor and playing defense for you. And this year they had an excellent team, like they said, Christian Wood, Boogie Cousins, you know, Aaron Gordon, um, uh, um, John Wall. Um, this this was an excellent team, and this was the team he could have succeeded with actually if he had decided. Now, why he didn't want to be there, I'm not going to try to analyze why he didn't be there, uh, why he didn't want to be there. There's an element of um, the owner, uh, Tillman Fertitta, being a big Trump supporter, and and James, I think, wanted to distance himself from that. But I'm here to tell you, James, you, you know, there's only so far you can distance yourself because there are a lot of people in and around our lives that did support Trump for one reason or another, some for reasons that were more innocuous and sort of more based around taxes and things like that or or trade and other for reasons that were much darker and which resulted in an eruption of uh, violence, uh, insurrection, and sedition at the Capitol. But not everybody falls in that category. Not everybody is a racist that is a Trump supporter, obviously, uh, and and uh, is a person of ill intent. Uh, but he Trump's polarizing, and when you hook your wagon to him, you're going to turn some people off. And apparently James Harden is one of those people. But be that as it may, I don't know. I don't know that that's maybe one of many reasons why he didn't want to be there. But I'm just saying I think his want to leave there is somewhat ill-founded based on that they put together a new roster. They had a new coach who had spent a lot of time in the NBA as an assistant and uh, is a black man. And um, it's great to see more black head coaches in the league. And it would have been nice for James to support uh uh, Mr. Uh, Silas in his uh, his rookie campaign as head coach. So Stephen Silas, actually, Paul Silas' son. So so there's that. So we already went to D'Antoni. Uh, that, that system didn't work. Uh, now let's go to KD as a leader with something to prove. Okay. So this is what I would say about uh, Kevin Durant. Um, I think everybody has... A particular feeling about KD and him going to OKC, uh, going to Golden State. It's no, you know, you basically go to a 72 win team. Uh, I mean, there's only 82 games in a season, folks. That means they lost 10 games. This is one of the greatest teams of all time. Only that they lost uh, when they were up 3-1 in the finals against Cleveland. Because LeBron James is another freak of nature, and who knows how he was able to do that. But uh, l- l- let me rewind for just one second. In order for James Harden to be the kind of player that he aspired to be, you need to beat somebody like LeBron James, do what he did. Excuse me. What he really needed to do was to do what LeBron James did and coalesce. These groups of guys that included a Chris Paul, that included a Russell Westbrook, both of whom he ran out of town, and coalesce groups of guys like that. Clint Capella was there. Pat Bev was there. And take those guys and form them into a championship winning team. And so you could say, well, if LeBron James got Kyrie Irving, well, 
you could say that James Harden got Chris Paul or James Harden got Russ Westbrook. I don't know that they're the exact same calculus between those two. And uh, I think Chris Paul did get hurt one year. Um, But he had those guys. And he never was able to coalesce a group of guys because of his leadership and a combination of Mike D'Antoni's system into a winner. Now we fast forward to Kevin Durant. He also had a run with OKC where um, they had, uh, you know, uh, won a lot of games, but then he goes to Golden State, and Golden State was one of the best teams ever with uh, Steph Curry, with Clay Thompson, with Draymond Green, with Andre Iguodala, with Tayshia, um I almost said Tayshaun Prince. Sorry, um, I can't remember his name now, the, the lanky guard that I really liked that they had. I'm going to have to go and take a look at that that squad. They actually might have lost him. Um, I'm looking at the, the roster. Sean Livingston. I really like Sean Livingston because six seven point guard reminded me of Tayshawn Prince, uh, even though he wasn't uh, that player. Uh, JaVale, um, Clay, yeah, Vera Zhao. So, yeah, David West, tough guy, um, enforcer, Matt Barnes. You know, that's the kind of team that, that he ended up joining. Um, so, so, KD now wins uh, three t- two titles with those guys, three titles with those guys that to me are, you know, basically meaningless um, because you're winning them with a team that was already a championship caliber team. And to me, there's a lot less weight to doing something like that. It would have been like if you had the big three in Boston and then all of a sudden LeBron James goes and joins the big three. If he would have done something like that, then LeBron's championships would be meaningless. But you notice that Chris Bosh never won a title. Dwayne Wade did win a title, but that was with Shaq. And without Shaq, he didn't win a title. But when LeBron came there, all of a sudden they're in the, in the they were in the title every year that LeBron was there. And then they were never in the title again. In fact, they won 38 games when LeBron left. So... That is a guy that can coalesce guys together. So those of you who don't think that Kevin Durant is somebody with something to prove, you're kidding yourself. Not to me, because this guy is, again, like Harden, like LeBron. This guy is the freak of all freaks. I love watching Kevin Durant play. He's an amazing player. He is a guy that we have never seen a player that can play like a guard, almost like a five-position type of guy. Kevin Durant can do anything with a basketball, can go right, go left, beautiful jumper, pass, shoot, dribble, rebound, block shots. Um, I don't know how tall he is. People have given him different heights, 6'11", 7'1". His wingspan is, is like somebody that's over 7 feet. He, can, he has an unblockable jump shot. Um, I'm so happy that he's back and he looks to be kind of like the Kevin Durant of old. He's just an incredible player. I really love, I really love watching uh, Kevin Durant play. So, um, so what I want to say is, is that Kevin really still has something to prove. And if it were me, I would not have traded away all the depth. This is just me. Now, again, I was wrong last year about the Lakers and what Rob Palinka did. So take what I say with a grain of salt because I was wrong and those guys were right. 
If I were the New Jersey Nets and uh, the GM Marks, I would not have traded all the depth that they had. The Jared Allen, you know, their starting center. Obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie is out, I think, for the season, um, which is terrible because he added a lot of depth to them. Uh, and all the, the, the draft picks, the seven draft picks, all of which will be swa- uh, four of those will be swappable. Uh, the ones that Houston got. So if, if um, you know, uh, I almost said New Jersey. If the Nets have a better pick than Houston, then Houston will be able to swap picks. Plus they have a pick from Milwaukee. So they got a ton of picks. They got players. Um, they made uh, they made the, 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 the Nets actually better. Let me see if I can pull that up real quick. I know it's great radio when you do stuff like that. I get it. Um, we were just um, talking about how Kyrie was suspended. Um, he was suspended $50,000, plus he's going to miss game checks that are... Okay, so he's going to miss game checks that's going to put him in a in a very... not. A, I mean, it's not going to be a financial bind, but he's losing a considerable amount of money by showing up at a birthday party without a mask, putting it on Instagram, etc. So right now, uh, the Nets get hardened. The Rockets get Victor Oladipo and Dante Exum and Karooks from Indiana. Brooklyn gets uh, f- uh, plus three Brooklyn first rounders uh, and a Milwaukee first rounder. Well, here, okay, but but Brooklyn is also going to get four first round swaps. So even a pick, uh, if in one of those, in in four of those, if Houston gets a, 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 a if uh, Brooklyn gets a better pick than Houston, they'll be able to swap. So, you know that's a lot to give up right there. Uh, the they also lose Karis Levert, who is uh, an excellent player for them. Everybody loved how he was playing this year. He is now on um, he is now on uh, the Pacers. Uh, Jared Allen is on the Cavs, which a lot of people like, and and the Cavs also get Torian Prince. So, I mean, they lost quite a bit. Um, and honestly, if, if I had to give my prediction, I think it's possible that they could win the East, but I don't know that I would pick them. Teams will emerge. We didn't necessarily see Miami coming, although Jimmy Butler did last year. Um, and and they're a more complete team, a more defensive-oriented team. They're a team that went through the crucible of the finals. And I would submit to you that even if Miami doesn't look like a world beater now, if they're healthy at playoff time, they're going to be a problem. And with Doc, uh, the way that he has Philadelphia playing, and then I think uh, Ben Simmons is out right now. But when he comes back, um, I think they're definitely going to be an issue uh, for anybody in the East. So for me... I'm not sure that that Brooklyn um, will take the East. I think it'll be more like Philadelphia and Miami, I think, just based on last year. I don't think Toronto's a player in that. I think Milwaukee will make some noise, but I don't know if just Drew Holiday and Giannis and Chris Middleton is going to be enough. Um, I'm not sure of that yet. Um, so that's kind of how I, I, I see that going. I see 
the East is probably, you know, may come down to the firepower of the Nets uh, versus uh, the Nets versus the Heat or Philadelphia. And I'm not sure that the Nets get by them. If they do, I think that means that they're somehow they were able to pull it together defensively uh, and, and give problems. They would be a problem for the Lakers if they if they could do that. A big problem uh, because they would have they have a lot of firepower, but they don't have a lot else. So now we'll throw that that third cog in there of a big three. Something I really didn't want to see again, uh, and I'm not sure that this is that Kyrie, Kevin, and James, because only because of the personalities, is what Kawhi, LeBron, and AD would have been if they were on the Lakers. Because of how solid those guys are in terms of their mentality, their approach. You know, uh, James, you know, obviously is a little bit of a drama queen, right? So Kyrie, obviously a big drama queen. Now, with Kyrie... He's, he referred to himself as an artist, and I have to to agree with him. This guy with the basketball in his hand is an artist. He is somebody that what he can do with the basketball is just something of beauty. It's something creativity. What you love about basketball, what all of us, I think what we love about basketball, we see when we watch Kyrie Irving. I believe the, 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 the timing of what he does, the steps he makes, the way that he has people jumping in the air before he's even left the ground, his dribbling, his creativity. He's just, he really is an artist. That, that, I know it sounds esoteric when he said that uh, and the fact that he doesn't want to talk to the media and all that ridiculousness. It's kind of part of what he did, what, what you do. I mean, he may think it's, you know, that, a bunch of the people in the media, a bunch of us are idiots, but we're not, they're not, and I'm not even in NBA media, but I'm just saying, I, I have a lot of respect and regard for NBA media. I think that they really add something. They love basketball so much, and they regard, and again, they regard and respect so much the players, and that should be celebrated by the players. I understand they're a pain in the ass, but... The NBA is a beautiful soap opera. It's the real housewives of national basketball. That's what it is. And we love it. And we're covering it off the court is as interesting as on the court. Whether it's Dame making rap tracks or singing or, um, you know, other guys doing things with their philanthropy or, you know, you know, seeing videos of them at the club having fun or out on the water. It's just the NBA is just the personalities. The guys are just there's so much fun and and I love it and all the media loves it and that's something that 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 Kyrie should respect the way that we respect what he does because he is an artist he really is however what he doesn't understand the, the you know what he doesn't understand the reason that Boston became a worse team every year if not just in games one, they won two more games the year that Kyrie joined Boston. Uh, but they they lost one spot. And then the second year that he was there, they were even worse. And the third year, he was gone. So Kyrie doesn't understand how to lead men yet. He doesn't know that what leadership is. And when I went through Air Force Leadership Academy, basically they tell you that 
They're leaders and managers. A manager who gets things done, knows what to do, knows the book, goes by the book, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But a leader is somebody that people want to be like. A leader is somebody when they look at you, they say, I want to be like you. And whoever that you is, that's a leader. So people look at LeBron, even, you know, Rajan Rondo talked about LeBron. They said, I want to be like that guy. I want to, you know, when, when you see his process, you know, they talk about his recovery and his diet and his work ethic and, and his exercise and, um, and physical regimen and whatever it is that LeBron does that people like Rajan Rondo saw, they said, yeah, I mean, I can, now I can understand what that guy's about, his knowledge, how much he studies, etc. Okay, Kyrie has not proven to be that person. He wanted to leave out from under LeBron's wing when, in fact, they could have maybe won the championship the next year if he would have had Kyrie because Kyrie's brilliant and he's a money player and he can hit that game-winning shot as he did. But Kyrie said, I want to be my own guy. Okay, you were your own guy and guess what? You alienated the locker room, you upset people, and nobody wanted to follow you. Saying, so oh, well, you want to get out of there. So you got traded to, to uh, I almost said New Jersey again, to the Nets, to Brooklyn. And now um, you were able to convince KD to come there as a free agent, and he did. And KD is the consummate basketball junkie who works on his craft and has a burning desire to be the greatest player ever and, and is constantly working to do that and, and is an incredible player. But now... What are you going to do with that? Okay, now you do something stupid, vice president of the Players Association, and now you're out of, uh, at the moment, you're out of the league. He's been suspended. Let me see what it says here. Okay, fine, $50,000 for violating uh, NBA protocols. Uh, his total penalties will be $870,000. That's nearly a million dollars guys that's more than any of us will see most of us will see in a lifetime it's really incredible what he did there so so that's the scoop i'm i'm very sad for Kyrie. and now what does that portend for the future because now you're going to have the mercur the mercurial Kyrie irving together with the i wanted dribble a thousand times and play my way James Harden which is anti-basketball when you're constantly isolating and dribbling and dribbling and trying to fake people it's anti-basketball basketball is a shared game and when people touch the ball even if they're not shooting but they're touching the ball they feel better about themselves they feel better about them as a basketball player they don't feel better about themselves when they watch you shoot all the time even if you're hitting you know maybe you know a lot of people maybe Dennis Rodman did that there's not a lot of Dennis Rodmans out there I got news for you and the guys today your average basketball player is far more skilled in the offensive part of this game than Dennis Rodman ever was and they want to exercise that a little bit even if it's a 10 12 foot jumper you know or a cut to the through the lane the 11 assists is not going to do it. It's an overall theme of wanting to show players that you believe in them and that everybody touches the ball and the ball moves somewhat. Not saying everything has to be a motion offense like Doug Moe's Denver Nuggets of the 80s or necessarily like Golden State, but the ball has to move. 
And James hasn't proven that. And Kyrie is that type of player. He's an, an isolation player. So I'm not sure that this is all going to work the way that they think it is. I, I'm not sure about that. So I would remain, I would remain cautiously optimistic about their chances of being able to put together the other elements of a team defense guys working together guys uh believing in one another uh, you know and they said it jared dudley said last year with the lakers they'd have a movie night like all 15 guys would show up for movie night or something like that that's the kind of thing that you have to have where people want to work together not everybody has to love each other that's not realistic in any big team you just have to want to work together and have both feel that even if you wouldn't want to spend time with this person off the court or hang out with this person off the court that your shared goal is winning and that means more and that means you might be around that person even if they're not your favorite then it it does to try to shun that person say i'm not going to show up because teammate x is there and i don't like that person you have to think for the greater good i'm going to show up so that when you look around the room and it is a movie night you see all 15 players and you're like yo this team is tight man this team is tight so anyway this was the basketball monologue i'm dj san marco thank you very much i wanted to weigh in on this and give you my thoughts because we want to do more NBA content. We wanted we've done we've gone off track of MMA a little bit lately, lately, but we're gonna come back to it. So, fear not. We will talk more basketball. Excuse me, more MMA, especially with the Connor and, and Dustin fight coming up. So, um, for uh, Will, Nick, and Life MMA in the NBA, it's DJ San Marco saying peace out, one love, and I'll see you down the road.